Welcome into another episode of a Cali Green Monster Show. I am your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you here from the Tesla Studios in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California. It is a Tuesday morning, May 11th, 2021. Got an excellent show here lined up for you, as always. Going to be talking about the beautiful game, football, soccer, whatever you'd like to call it. There's drama in the Italian Serie A for a couple teams, so I want to be able to highlight that. You might be wondering, whoa, Cali Green Monster, I didn't know that you're a soccer show. Every once in a while, we'll talk about Messi or one of these big clubs. So, yeah, so hold on to your horses. We're going to talk some soccer. There is also Tim Tebow. He's going to be making his gallant return to the NFL after a foray into minor league baseball. So, you know, kind of did the Michael Jordan route after having such a successful career in his first sport. Took a little detour into minor league baseball and is now coming back to the NFL. Yes, I just compared Michael Jordan to Tim Tebow. And the big heavyweight boxing matchup that we've all been clamoring for. It looks like this morning it's breaking news. It looks like it's official. So I will highlight Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. It looks like they're going to be fighting later this summer officially. So that's exciting news. All that on this show. So let's just kick it off. Let's talk about the drama in Italian soccer, as I was mentioning. So this season, Inter Milan... You know, one of the big soccer teams in Italy. They have just wrapped up winning their first Serie A championship in 10 years. You know, Juventus, the team with Cristiano Ronaldo, has been dominating the Italian professional league. I think they have won the past 9 or 10 Serie A championships. So it was a big deal for Inter to finally get over that hump and get it done. But you would think that this would be an all-time high or like this would be one of the highs for Inter Milan. But I feel like there's some sketchy news that's coming out of their camp, which is involving their president and just the team, the club in general, is asking for their players to take a pay cut for the next two months. So basically no paychecks over the next two months to try to help them get in fight like back in good financial standing or at least try to help improve their finances. So apparently I guess two months of not paying the players would help save the club about 25 million euros. So I guess the pandemic has really hit Inter Milan really hard. So, you know, because if we look back, so, you know, 2018 and 2019, this is before the COVID-19 pandemic. Inter Milan actually increased their revenues to 417 million euros. And that was a 20 million increase. So you would think that they're doing pretty good financially. But they took advantage of that good job or that good financial gain. And they still suffered a loss of about 50 million euros. And this was due to investing and trying to increase their on field product, which apparently they did because they did officially knock Juventus off and, you know, win the Serie A championship. But that did come at a cost. You know, so in 2018, they invested in Raja Nangolan from Roma, 38 million euros. He's currently not even on their roster. So they paid a big fee for, for him to be on the team and then just to get loaned out. In 2019, they brought in Romelu Lukaku, struck striker from Manchester United, at 65 million euros. There was Valentina Lazaro for 22 million euros. Stefano Sensi at 27 million euros. Nicolo Borella at 25 million euros. 
Christian Eriksen from Tottenham at 20 million euros, and Akraf Hakimi from Real Madrid for 40 million euros. So they spent tons of money over, you know, the end of 2018 to the beginning of 2020. You know, that Christian Eriksen and Hakimi, both of those, you know, 60 million euros together in transfer fees, that was right before the COVID-19 pandemic hit and when no crowds were allowed in Italy. And if you guys remember from the beginning of the pandemic, Italy was one of the hardest hit countries at the very beginning so i think that they shut down crowds in their soccer stadiums even earlier so you know a lot of the clubs really did get impacted really hard you know lost to tons of revenue you know that's one of the reasons why the european super league got you know formed you know a lot of these big clubs are used to spending tons of money but they're used to also bringing in tons of revenue due to you know being able to demand high ticket prices and selling out most games but during the COVID-19 when that didn't happen they lost tons of revenue there was lots of drama this past summer about Lionel Messi and whether he was going to leave Barcelona because Barcelona's finances were apparently in shambles and you know with some of their recent signings and them not working out so there was even you know speculation that Barcelona was in deep trouble too so you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, Inter's not the only club that's suffering financially, but they are the only club so far that has just asked their players to basically not accept pay. And I mean, if I'm the players for Inter Milan, the only way, the only way I'm accepting that is if it's deferred payments and they're going to pay interest. It's like, sure, like, I won't take the pay for the next two months, but you're definitely going to pay me back and there's definitely going to be interest on that. You know, there's because let's be real. The play, teams always look out for a team's best interests. You know, they're never really looking out for the player's best interests. You know, if a player can't perform any well, like, they're not going to resign him or they're going to release him or send him away, you know? So there's never really like, oh, well, let's throw this lad a break, you know? he, you know, Even, even if there's injuries, it's always just like, well, tough shit, you got hurt, you know? That's one of the things that, you know, a lot of these successful players that make a lot of money, you know, longevity and durability is a thing because, let's be real, teams aren't going to pay you if you're hurt and broken no matter what you did in the past so as far as I'm concerned I feel like these players don't really have any real loyalty because let's be real their careers have a finite amount of time you know for example Alexis Sanchez he's one of the strikers on the team you know I think his better days are behind him you know he doesn't have very many years of earning like a couple hundred thousand euros a week he wants that money because when he's done he's not going to be making any more money but Inter Milan is still going to be a club and they're still going to be one of the top clubs in the country in the world. You know, I think they're a top ten with um, club in like revenue and fan support in the world. So you know, I have zero sympathy for these big clubs that are crying poor. You know. It's like they should have thought about that before splashing out like a couple hundred million euros to bring in these players. You know, are they going to ask these teams for some of the money back from transfer fee because they're in financial distress? No. Like, those transfer fees for those players are paid. So the teams that had the players before, they get all that money. But now you're going to ask for the players themselves, the guys that actually bring value on the field into your team. You're going to tell them to take a pay cut? So, I mean... Unless they're going to get interest and the money back eventually and, you know, in a timely manner, there's no way I would accept a pay cut. You know, and then 
with all this issues of the financial distress for a lot of these teams and how I mentioned that that was the reason for the formation of the, the European Super League that those 12 teams were trying to put together, you know, due to fan backlash within a week, nine of the 12 teams had backed out of it. But as of right now, there's still three teams that are in the European Super League. And although it's not going to happen next year, they still have faith that they can get it done. And one of those three teams is Juventus, the Italian team that has won the last 10 Serie A championships. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo's on the team, one of the biggest clubs in the world. And so they still haven't backed down, you know, because I think they're dealing with financial issues as well. And the Serie A, their president, and they have a stance that if Juventus doesn't back out of the European Super League, regardless of whether there is going to be a Super League, because let's be real, it's just Juventus, Real Madrid, and Barcelona at the moment. So I doubt that those three teams are just going to keep playing each other over and over again. So Juventus at at the risk of not being allowed to play in Serie A next year. So, you yeah, so the Italian top league, they're – threatening to kick Juventus out and have them play in the Serie B if they stay in the European Super League. So it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, how if Juventus backs off and officially resigns from the Super League and probably officially squashing, you know, any chance of that happening. I think Barcelona and Real Madrid recently put out statements that, you know, it they feel like it's unfair pressure from third parties about forcing them to not be able to participate in the European Super League. But I think at the end of the day, a lot of the fans and everyone agrees that it was a move kind of based off of greed and it would just ruin the complete structure of European soccer and how everything's done. And I think at the end of the day, soccer doesn't need to change. I think it's these owners that need to change. You know, it's like, hey, you can't be spending hundreds of millions of euros and just hoping that the finances are going to work out on the back end because at the end of the day it's like look at these owners they're asking for the players to take the pay cuts and I think if anything it's like no I think the CEOs and the presidents of these clubs should be taking pay cuts not the fucking players that are actually playing out there and bringing value to the club that these presidents actually represent. All right, so don't usually talk about soccer that much, so that was my official soccer talk. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Let's move on to the world of football, something that I think we're a little bit more familiar with. The Cali Green Monster is a little bit more familiar, and we're here to talk about our old buddy Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow is in the news again. You know, he's a very newsworthy guy. I feel like ESPN show First Take really took off when Skip Bayless every day would do his you know, grand hot take predictions of how Tim Tebow was going to do great. And he really went on a run when Tim Tebow won like seven or eight games in a row with the Denver Broncos and won a playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Tim Tebow, he's honestly, I feel like a, almost a folklore legend for a lot of us that grow up watching him play college football, you know, winning a Heisman and two national championships, watching his epic beginning of, his NFL career, seeing just how polarizing of a person he was. And it's kind of crazy that one of the reasons that made him so polarizing, I feel like it's two things. One, that he got drafted in the first round. So, like, you know, he wasn't a first-round quarterback. Anyone that was would watch him play, you know, he was really good in college, but he wasn't a first-round quarterback. A lot of people were even trying to get him to switch to tight end, you know, saying that, hey, you got the body of a tight end. He might not be successful at quarterback, but you can play tight end. But 
Tim Tebow felt like he was, you know, skilled enough to be a quarterback. And the Broncos thought so as well. So they drafted him late in the first round. So he had a lot of those expectations and a lot of people already calling him a bust and people reaching. So he already had negative kind of like outlook from the outset from being overdrafted. And for some reason, him being a Christian was also taken as a negative. You know, Tim Tebow used to always kneel on the sidelines, and I feel like people used to make fun of him for it, and it was always kind of taken as a negative thing. When I feel like, honestly, a guy being Christian, that's, I think, a good trait to have. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are, like, act way more, you know, do, I don't know, that represent a lot more shit that's worse than being a devout Christian. So, you know, I feel like Tim Tebow, a lot of times he got an unfair shake. And I think that's one of the reasons why he got chased out of football so quick. You know, he didn't last long in Denver, even though he had some modest success, modest success at the beginning, went to the New York Jets while Rex Ryan was there. That was a media circus. And that seemed more like a publicity stunt. Didn't work out there. Came to the Patriots, I think, for a hot second. A lot of people thought, hey, if there's anyone that can get something out of Tim Tebow, it'll be Bill Belichick. That didn't happen. So next thing you know, Tim Tebow's not in the league, and he's out there playing minor league baseball for the New York Mets minor league system. You know, he did that for a couple of years, moved his way kind of up through it, and I think eventually hit triple-A ball. And, you know, he's a decent dude. I think he hit over 200, and that might not sound good. And obviously for a, a normal MLB prospect or someone that would try to eventually be playing on an MLB roster, hitting in the low 200s is not ideal. But considering a guy that didn't play baseball since high school and just decided, hey, I'm going to pick up professional baseball, that's a fucking accomplishment. You know, kind of in the same vein of yesterday's show, we were talking about DK Metcalf and how impressive that this guy straight up finished the NFL season and said, hey, I think I'll go try out for the Olympics 100 meter and looked respectable doing it. Who gives a shit that he finished ninth out of ninth in his heat? He looked respectable doing it. And, you know, Tim Tebow for all the shit talking people do to him. I think he did a respectable job for the circumstances of what he did. Does his persona and his, like his, you know, I guess stance in our society and pop culture, does that give him opportunities that most people can't don't get? Yes, of course. You know, he was in his late twenties when he first got an opportunity at minor league baseball. And most players, if they haven't reached the major league roster by their late twenties, are not even playing professional baseball anymore. So it was already kind of an anomaly for for Tim Tebow to have that opportunity in minor league baseball. And a lot of people thought that that was unfair, but oh well. You know, minor league baseball is all about selling tickets, and Tim Tebow was good at doing that. So, you know, everyone was kind of anticipating over the past year when he announced his retirement from professional baseball that he wouldn't be continuing to play in a minor league season. People were wondering what Tim Tebow is going to do next. Is he just going to focus on being an analyst? Because let's be real, he's one of the best college football analysts out there. He's very charismatic, and he's good on the camera, and he knows how to articulate things very well. So people are just thinking he's probably going to go behind the booth from now on however with his old coach from university of florida urban meyer now taking the head coaching duties at jacksonville they all of a sudden became the rumor and the speculation that tim tebow was going to take people's original advice and try to take up playing tight end and yesterday the news became official the jacksonville jaguars have signed tim tebow to a one-year deal i don't know what the money details exactly are but i'm sure it's probably for the minimum 
and to, to play tight end or at least to try out at tight end. So I think a lot of people are flipping out, you know, saying that this was unfair considering that Tim Tebow's 34 years old, never played tight end. And, you know, let's be real for someone to come into the league never having played tight end or being considered, I guess you can consider Tim Tebow almost a rookie then if he's never played tight end. So he's almost like a tight end rookie at 34 years old. That would never happen. So, you know, you have some of the purists out there. I think Ryan Clark from ESPN, he was pissed off hearing about that opportunity. Didn't even want to talk about it. Thinks it's just a straight publicity stunt. And that's what everyone is talking about that at this point, you know, this is just a publicity stunt. A lot of people don't like it. But at the end of the day, Jacksonville isn't going to be threatening for the Super Bowl this year. You know, they had they were 1-15 last year. So after winning in week one, they lost 15 straight. So it's not a good football team. <clears throat> They've got a rookie quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. So while I think he's going to end up being a stud quarterback, I don't think it will happen in this first year. So at this point, you know, Shad Khan, owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, he wants to sell tickets. And especially, you know, in the preseason when they're probably going to be trying to get fans in and try to like, let's see, let's be real, try to make up for all the lost revenue that they had from last year from having minimal attendance in the NFL. They're going to be trying to capitalize on the whatever preseason football games they have. And those are the games that I expect Tim Tebow to be in. You know, I expect him to be there through training camp. I expect him to be there through preseason, but I don't expect him to be on the roster, you know, come week one of the regular season. You know, those spots are a premium. And I think that tight ends, and especially like a backup tight end, which I would expect him. Tebow, if he were to somehow make the team, he would be a backup. They expect those backup tight ends to be playing special teams, you know, on kickoffs and stuff. And at 34 years old, I don't know if you could reasonably expect Tim Tebow to do all that stuff. Now, Tim Tebow is definitely someone that I think is he has one of those mentalities that very, very, very few people on this planet have that I think that he must believe that if he thinks he can do it, he can do it. And I'm not. I won't be surprised if he makes some good plays in the preseason. I won't be surprised if when training official training camp starts, you hear about how good Tim Tebow is doing and how hard he's working because I don't expect anything less from Tim Tebow. But also at the end of the day, I don't really expect him to actually make the team. I do think that the people that are hating on Tim Tebow, it's very off base and I don't think is really necessary. You know, people saying that he's potentially taking the opportunity away from a young tight end that could get this opportunity. And my logic is, is that the only people that he's taking an opportunity from are very fringe NFL tight ends. Because let's be real, the Jacksonville Jaguars are probably the 32nd out of 32nd franchise right now. They're probably the least talented franchise maybe behind maybe besides the New York Jets. So, you know, the only tight ends that he's taking a spot up from are like a fringe tight end that would probably never even really get playing time. So I don't think it's really, you know, we're potentially missing out on a future Hall of Famer that Tim Tebow is taking this guy's spot. So enjoy the publicity in the news because I feel like it'll be the Tim Tebow tight end Jacksonville story will be going on all the way through September, the first week of September, and that's when the the last cuts before the regular season take place, and that's when I expect this Tim Tebow tight end story to finally end. And before we get out of the show and end this episode of a Cali Green Monster show, 
there was some breaking news this morning in the boxing world. So it's been rumored. I think they've agreed to this bout for a while now. They've just been working on financials and a place for it to happen. But now it's officially happening. Anthony Joshua is going to be fighting Tyson Fury. They already they're supposed they already agreed to fight two bouts, so they're going to have one, and there'll be a rematch. And it looks like their first match is going to be happening either August seventh or August fourteenth. So it's either in that one of those two weekends, and it's going to be taking place in Saudi Arabia. So you know that Saudi Arabia oil, Saudi Arabia oil money is uh, was enough to convince to get the biggest heavyweight and probably the biggest match in boxing that you can make right now. So, you know, I'm so excited for this. Tyson Fury is must-watch, whether he's in the ring, whether he's on Facebook, whether he's doing a press conference, whether he's on Joe Rogan. I feel like this guy's entertaining. He's charismatic. He's an excellent talker. And for as good as he is at talking and for as charismatic as he is, he is an even better boxer. This guy's six foot nine. He moves like a middleweight or a welterweight. He has the skills. You know, Deontay Wilder, before their match, was being touted as, you know, the most intimidating and scary one-punch power puncher since, like, you know, George Foreman or Mike Tyson. So he was getting a lot of hype. A lot of people thought he was going to knock out Tyson Fury, especially since Tyson Fury was, you know, on his comeback. You know, Tyson Fury, after he upset um, Vladimir Klitschko, he went off the rails, you know, mental health issues ballooned up to like almost 400 pounds or something like that. So when he came back to fight Fury, a lot of people assumed Fury was just going to knock this dude's head off. And Fury reminded everyone that he is the best heavyweight boxer going around right now. You know, he boxed up Tyson Fury or he boxed up Deontay Wilder in that first match. And it wasn't until Ty- or Deontay Wilder knocked Tyson Fury down in that final round that it even looked kind of like that Wilder was going to win and Tyson Fury showed off his chin got up that that match ended up in a draw and then for the rematch dude Tyson Fury beat the shit out of Deontay Wilder you know he completely changed I think everyone's outlook on Deontay Wilder even after the fight Deontay Wilder was making up excuse after excuse so he definitely came off looking worse after that Tyson Fury established that it doesn't matter how scary that dude is. He's a better boxer. And honestly, I think he's a better boxer than Anthony Joshua. You know, Anthony Joshua, when when he fought that first match against Ruiz, <clears throat> Ruiz was this pudgy boxer, but he was a boxer, man. He knew he had, you know, great technique. And he boxed up Anthony Joshua and knocked him out. And I think that Tyson Fury is a better boxer than than Andy Ruiz, and he's bigger. So I anticipate that Tyson Fury is going to beat up Joshua, and I think that one that's one of the reasons why this fight took a while to get booked is because Anthony Joshua is such a huge draw in the UK, and one of the things that he's such a big draw is because you know he was a I think he was an Olympic gold medalist for the UK, and he's still under or well he has one loss now to to Ruiz. But, you know, I mean, I think that he still has shine. He still has shine as being able to claim that maybe he is the top heavyweight. But now we're officially going to get to see, you know, for years we were clamoring to see Pacquiao and Mayweather and eventually happened when it was too late. I feel like this is finally happening, a a match that's between people that we actually want to see. And it's going to happen, you know, while I feel like both of these guys are still in their prime. So, hell yeah, August 
you know, my second son is due, but I'm also pretty stoked because we got Fury and Joshua finally coming up. Hell yeah. So <laughs> that's all I got for you for today's show. Hope you enjoyed what you're listening to. You know, if you did enjoy what you're listening to, be a friend. Tell a friend. You know, hey, maybe check out my Twitter at Dean Ryan, Cali Green Monster. Interact with some of the shit I say. I could be pretty funny on there. But you know what? Until next time, party people, I have been your host, Dean Ryan. This has been a Cali Green Monster show coming to you from the Tesla Studios in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California. Have a great one, guys. Peace.